this morning we are, are privileged to have uh, our, our friend Lawrence, who is the conference pastor of our Alberta uh, Mennonite Brethren Conference uh, out of Calgary. He works alongside of our, our conference director, Paul Lowen. And uh, Lawrence is here with his wife, Leona, as well. So welcome to you for being here. We're going to hear from Lawrence in just a few minutes. Uh, and uh, we, we really appreciate the role that our, our conference leaders play. Uh, you may not see that in, uh, in all of your dealings with things with our church, but, but for us as leadership and for myself as a pastor, I appreciate the, the support that our conference brings in all kinds of different situations. And uh, so it's, it's great to have someone like Lawrence, who is, he's been a longtime servant of the Lord, a longtime uh, ministry, uh, missionary in Japan, and, and also a pastor in our conference. So the wisdom that he, he brings to our leadership is rich. And so we look forward to hearing from him in just a few minutes as we, we continue in our series in Galatians. Today we are focusing on uh, the fruit of the Spirit, peace. So I'm going to read uh, a few passages of Scripture and then Lawrence will come. First reading is from our, our main text in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, which says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. We're going to read from Romans chapter 5, verse 1 to 8. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Good morning, everyone. I'm pleased to be here with you, and I'm thankful for the opportunity to share from God's Word. Uh, if you are visiting here today or online, it's the first time, please don't judge the church by how well I do today. Give them at least a few more chances to decide if this is going to be your church. But uh, yeah, I've been visiting your church since way back in 1988, I think it was, the first time, so... I have a long history with some of you, but I'm glad there's people here that I don't know as well. That's a good sign. And so I want to commend you as a congregation, as a pastor, a leadership team as such, uh, that you are studying the book of Galatians. And I also commend you that uh, you as a faith committee are going, or community are going deep, deep into this by going verse by verse, even word by word to this series, Right? That's amazing. So I commend you for that. And I pray that I can help you reap 
some of the blessings of studying and applying God's word in our lives. So Pastor Kimball invited me to, to speak on the topic of peace, one aspect of the fruit of the Spirit. As you know, peace is a highly sought-after commodity in our world. We have ongoing conflicts between countries, different people groups, all over the place. This isn't anything new, though, if we study history. And so we are led to ask, at some point we need to stop and ask ourselves some very serious questions. For instance, is it really possible to gain peace by destroying others? Or is peace attainable by using violence to force others to comply? Like, should we expect peace to come about by making war? Don't hatred and, and violence breed more of the same? Must we always retaliate? Like, how is it possible for peace to win? On October 2nd, 2006, Charlie Roberts, yes, Mr. Roberts, Charlie Roberts burst into a one-room Amish schoolhouse in Pennsylvania. And with him, he brought a handgun, a 12-gauge shotgun, a rifle, cans of black powder, a stun gun, two knives, a toolbox, and various devices for restraining people. And so Roberts entered the schoolroom, and he ordered the teacher and the teacher's aide and all the boys to leave. Then he proceeded to bind up the 10 young schoolgirls and line them up against the blackboard. As the police surrounded the schoolhouse, Roberts prepared to destroy and kill. We'll come back to that story in a few minutes. But the question is, does peace have a chance in our world? Does it? The Bible is clear that it does. The Bible is clear that humanity is not doomed to violence and war forever. The Bible is clear that that isn't the case even today. Way back since Adam and Eve, right, sinned and damaged their covenantal relationship with God, since that time, God has been working hard. He's been working to bring reconciliation and peace, to bring forgiveness and salvation to all people. Throughout the Old Testament, God promised that there would be a Savior. He would send a deliverer. He would send someone who would reconcile God and people together, as was intended from the beginning. And we have different indications in the Old Testament where God was promising this. And in Isaiah 9, verse 6, it says that he would send someone that would be called the Prince of Peace. And of the greatness of his government and his peace, there would be no end, is what God promised. In spite of the fact that disharmony and conflict and war, etc., have continued until today, we need to believe that God has a plan. Through the, king, the, through the coming of Messiah Jesus, the kingdom of God, 
has already arrived and is taking shape. Through King Jesus, the kingdom of God, which we believe to be his loving and righteous reign through Jesus, right? That's the kingdom, the loving and righteous reign of Jesus. God is bringing shalom. That is his salvation, his peace, his hope to lost humanity. And that is why when Jesus was born, as we celebrated a couple months ago, the angel said, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace. Yes, on earth peace to those on whom his favor dwells. Near the end of Jesus' ministry, he said these words to his disciples. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. He's talking about peace. And he said that because the peace of the kingdom of God is different from the, the peace of the kingdoms of this world, we should be grabbing it. We should be receiving it. We should be rejoicing in it. The Bible teaches that authentic peace comes through sacrificial love. And for this reason, making peace is often harder than making war. Think of the last week, how easy it was to become angry at someone or to think negative thoughts about somebody or to wish you could retaliate in some way. It comes so easily to us. And making peace is much harder. In fact, true peace can only come from God himself. You see, the God of the Bible is the God of peace. And that's why Jesus stated that the peacemakers would be blessed. And also, if you look at Romans 5 again, verse 1 teaches that since we have been made right with God through the faithfulness of Jesus, we have peace with God. The relationship has been fixed. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, being accepted into right relationship with God means there is peace or there is shalom between us and God. The relationship has been made right. It has been restored. Can you think of a relationship in your life that was really rocky and, and difficult, but then because you and the other person humbled themselves and, and made things right, it was restored. And there was peace again between you. And, and you could say, are we good? And they could say, yes, we are. And often we need to ask that question, not too glibly, but deeply. Are we good? Are we okay? Are we at peace? That's what God would want. God's peace is more, though, than just an internal feeling. It definitely is that as well, but it's more than that. It's much more comprehensive than just the internal feeling. It really incorporates all of the blessings of salvation. All that Jesus provided for us through his death and resurrection. This kind of peace is the fulfillment of wholeness. And it is also the essence of salvation. It is a relational term that denotes holistic well-being. Everything is going well. Why? Because the cause of alienation or separation has been removed. God has removed it. In other words, peace includes and results in reconciliation. 
In addition, peace isn't an optional feature of God's theology. No. Nor is it a new idea. It's been there since the beginning. Peace really is at the core of what God is always doing. And we can look back at Ezekiel and we read that God said he would make a covenant of peace with the new people of God. He says, I will make a covenant of peace with them. It will be an everlasting covenant. My dwelling place will be with them and I will be their God and they will be my people. That's happening today. Since the New Testament church, right? These are the new people of God. We're living in the new covenant. This covenant of peace is what we have with God. So how did God accomplish this? Through Jesus' faithfulness to the Father during his earthly life. But then also through his atoning work on the cross. And then thirdly, he provided that salvation through us when he rose from the dead and went back to heaven. His victorious resurrection is key in understanding how we receive this peace that God has made. God took the initiative and accomplished reconciliation for us. God himself is a peacemaker. Not merely a peacekeeper, but a peacemaker. This means that through the salvific work of Jesus, we can have peace with our creator, God himself. And as a result of that, we can live at peace with one another as well. That too is God's expectation for his people. His kingdom people are to be people of peace. Yes. And that's why in Romans chapter 12, verse 8, he says, Paul says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live in peace. Live at peace with everyone. Or in Romans 14, 19, Paul says a similar thing. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Why? Because the kingdom of God is the reign of peace. Yes. The reign of peace. In fact, God's peace is both a reality to enjoy and a means to bring about God's salvation and peace to the world. It's both. And so as followers of Jesus, we have been given this ministry of reconciliation. We are to urge people to reconcile to God by recognizing and receiving this offer of reconciliation that he makes through Jesus. In this way, his shalom, his peace extends to us and to more and more people. And yes, we become peacemakers. Peacemakers. In the next few minutes, let's just kind of summarize in some broad categories the Bible's teaching on peace, particularly from an Anabaptist perspective. First of all, God is the source of peace. Just like God is the source of real love, which you talked about last week and true joy two weeks ago, I believe, he is the source of authentic peace. This is not imitation. This is not fake. It's real stuff, authentic. And God makes, seeks to make peace with each one of us. And that's partly why you're here today. He wants to make peace with you and 
Some of you have come to make peace with him. He wants to remove the barrier, whatever barrier it might be, between him and us. And if we accept this, we can experience real peace. So remember, first of all, God is the source of authentic peace. Secondly, Jesus is the means of peace. Because humanity's rebellion against God, the power of sin entered this world. Right? A force that is stronger than we, you and I are. And because each one of us has sinned against God, the fellowship and the harmony we were supposed to enjoy with God has been broken. And so we cannot experience God's shalom, his peace. Instead, we receive the consequences of our sin. But God has provided a way of salvation through Jesus, the Prince of Peace. And so Jesus made peace between us and God the Father. And his death and resurrection were the means by which people like you and I can be reconciled to God, our Creator. In fact, the Bible teaches that if we trust Christ, if we trust him and follow him, we can experience peace with God and more and more peace with each other. This peace is a gift that we can receive when we are reconciled to God. So God is the source of peace. Jesus is the means by which peace is created and brought to us, given to us. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit is the producer of peace. Yes, peace is the fruit of the Spirit, right? He produces it. He produces God's peace in our lives. That is, it isn't sourced from within us. Like many people in our culture would say, it's deep within you. It's not. It comes from the outside, from God himself, as the fruit of the Spirit. And so as you and I trust God and are filled by his Spirit, right? he enables us to experience his peace. And this peace is simultaneously experienced within us, but also lived out externally. It's both and, internal and external. Fourthly, the church is God's community of peace. Our Heavenly Father is the God of peace, so it just follows that his people would be his family of peace. And Jesus is our leader, our Prince of Peace, so it makes sense that we would be his people of peace. And God the Spirit produces the fruit of the Spirit, peace, in our lives. So together we become the community of peace. It all revolves around this group, this family, this community that God has built. To live and enjoy his peace and to share it with others. Which leads us to the next one. Five, the gospel is the good news of peace. The good news is that because of what God has done through Jesus, the fact that we, and the fact that we have his spirit in and among us, we can proclaim peace to the world. A world that is looking for, hungering for, thirsting after peace. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 17 says that he came, that Jesus came and preached peace to those who were far away, but also to those who were nearby. And we're called and empowered to do the same. Share God's peace with those that are far and near. That doesn't mean it's easy. Not at all. And that's why we are to stand firm in the peace that God has accomplished for us. Listen to what God tells us in Ephesians chapter 6. 
Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet, notice, fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace. The gospel we share, the good news we share, is the message of peace at its core. Isaiah says that the feet of those who bring good news and proclaim peace are beautiful. Yes. Number six, the way of Jesus, the way of Jesus is the way of peace. That is, not only is Jesus the way to peace, real peace that is, he is also the way of peace, both. But if we have separated ourselves from God, we are lost. We have lost our way. We are not walking in the way of Jesus. We're not following him if we have separated ourselves from him. And as a result, this is what the Bible says of such people. Listen, the way of peace they do not know. How can they if they're separated from the source of peace? Right? They have turned Oh, there is no justice in their paths. They have turned their ways, them into crooked roads. No one who walks along them will know peace. They can't. The way of Jesus is the way of peace. To know peace and to walk in the way of peace is to know God and experience his peace that Jesus has provided and his spirit, the Holy Spirit, produces in us. It's a relational thing. Once we have submitted to God and received his salvation through Jesus, we have that peace and we can share it with others. And then we can walk in this way of, of peace and we will be peacemakers. You remember the famous verse in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called children of God. Yeah. God reigns in peace, not through war. No, not through war. Number seven, the mission of the church. The mission of church is the practice of peace. Not only the experience of it, not only the sharing of it, but actually practicing it in our daily lives. We are agents of the kingdom of peace. We proclaim the message of reconciliation and peace to a hurting world, to a conflicting world, to a broken world to a hungry world. This peace does not come by making war. Rather, it comes by making peace. Our mission to be peacemakers with God is, is multidimensional, you could say. First of all, with God, and then secondly, with one another, and then thirdly, with the world around us, the society around us. Let's talk briefly now about some daily discipleship. What can we actually do? Most of us do not plan to fight. I really believe that. Deep down, we desire peace more than war. But we struggle to keep peace. But the Spirit produces peace. And so as we submit to Jesus and ask His Spirit to fill us, we will experience that personal peace. So the first step is always submission to God. And maybe you're separated from God today. Maybe you're seeking for God. I'm not sure where you're at. Or maybe you've kind of walked away from him a bit. The first thing to do is to come back to him and submit. 
and say, I want you to be my God. I need you to be my Lord and Savior. So when we submit to him, his spirit comes within us and fills us with his peace. And when we have confidence that God is in charge of our lives again, we can have peace. We're not in charge alone, right? He's now in charge. And so when we yield everything to him, we can have the internal peace that works its way out into the external peace. If we trust Jesus with our whole hearts, we can experience his peace, not just on Sundays, but every day of the week. Philippians chapter 4, verse 7 says, And the peace of God that transcends all understanding. Think about that, right? The peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So if we are in a relationship with Christ, we can experience that protection, that guarding of our minds and our hearts and experience his peace. How about interpersonal peace? It is common in some church traditions to pass the peace. Right? They pass the peace by saying, go in peace. Or, peace be with you. But often... After a church service, or might I say, following a difficult church business meeting, we do not go in peace. Nor do we go as a unified group. So rather than go in peace, we often go in pieces. And then we go to pieces. And that's why we need to remember the instruction in 2 Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Right? Full restoration. Encourage one another and be of one mind. That is, live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you, is the promise. Then we should also make peace God's way. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. It takes effort. But James says there are rewards for making peace. Notice what James says. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. A harvest is righteousness. You know what that is? Right relationships, the right ordering of everything. That's righteousness. And so if we sow in peace, we will reap that kind of a harvest, rightened relationships in our lives and other lives. We serve the God of peace. And he wants us to enjoy his peace. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, is the one who makes it. And now he wants us to be his peacemakers. Peace spreads in this world through God's people by his spirit. So let me remind you again of that short verse in Matthew 5. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. He has called us to live in peace. Let's go back to the one-room Amish schoolhouse. Charlie Roberts is there. He's bound up ten girls. And two of the girls begin negotiating with Roberts. They're pleading for him to shoot them first. You know what they're doing? 
They wanted a little extra time so that perhaps they could be rescued. And so they're trying to stall. And so as the police surrounded the schoolhouse, Roberts shot all ten girls before killing himself. Yeah. Five of the girls died, and the other five were severely wounded. On the day of the shooting, later that day, a grandfather of one of those girls that was killed, he was warning younger relatives not to hate the killer. He says, we must not think evil of this man. Hmm. He's making peace. Another Amish father noted, Charlie Roberts had a mother and a wife and a soul. And now he is standing before a just God. A Roberts family spokesperson said this. He said that an Amish neighbor comforted the Roberts family hours after the shooting and extended forgiveness to them. Amish community leaders visited and comforted Robert's widow, Robert's parents, and the parents-in-law. And one Amish man held Robert's sobbing father in his arms reportedly as long as an hour to comfort him. Do you see how they're making peace? The Amish also set up a charitable fund for the family of the shooter to give donations to this family. Yeah. About 30 members of the Amish community attended Robert's funeral. And Marie Roberts, the widow of the killer, was one of the few outsiders invited to the funeral of one of the young girls that died. Marie Roberts wrote an open letter to her Amish neighbors thanking them for their forgiveness, their grace, and their mercy. She wrote, Your love for our family has helped us provide the healing we so desperately need. Gifts you've given have touched our hearts in a way that no words can describe. Your compassion has reached beyond our family, beyond our community, and is changing the world. And for this, we sincerely thank you. Changing the world. Peacemakers. What the Amish did allowed God's peace to work. Often we inhibit God's peace from working when we react the wrong way. And it became the first step toward a future that is more hopeful. A future of authentic peace under the reign of Jesus. The righteous and loving reign of Jesus. Remember, the fruit of the Spirit is peace. Peace with God. Peace with one another. And yes, peace in God's world. Let us go in peace, not in pieces. Let's pray.
Loving Father, we need you and we need your peace. This broken world, these broken people, we all need your peace. Thank you that you are the source of peace, that you provided that peace and that you produce it by your spirit. And so we submit ourselves to you to receive you and your peace. And we commit ourselves to being at peace with one another and walking in the way of peace. Your word says, now may the God of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you all. Lord Jesus, empower us by your spirit to go in peace and not in pieces. Amen.